Space, the Final Frontier. These are the parables of the Starship Enterprise. Sacred Trek's continuing mission to seek out new understanding of ourselves and one another boldly takes us to Star Trek, The Next Generation, Season 1, Episode 12, Data Lore. And welcome to Sacred Trek, the podcast that engages in community around the parables of Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your host, Kent Altman, and here's Christina Hartfield. Hi, Christina. How's it going? Hi, Kent. Good. How's life this week? <laughs> I'm ready for anything. I'm, I'm glad to be here tonight. Me too. Yeah. Let's uh, introduce everybody. We have our council tonight. We have Nisa. Hi, Nisa. Hi. And we have Becky. Hi, Becky. Hi. And we have Mark. Hi, Mark. Hi. And we have Carissa back. Hi, Carissa. Hey, it's good to be back with you guys. And we have Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Hello. <laughs> Are you all ready to get started with this episode called Data Lore? Yes. yes. I love this episode. This love was my it. favorite one so far. <gasps> Me too. High five, Nicole. Yes. The face-off episode. <laughs> That's right. Literally. I tend not to like things with evil twins, so. Oh. Ooh, wait. Oh, as a twin. Are you the good twin or the evil twin, Becky? What? No, neither. Neither one is evil. No. We're awesome. Equally okay. awesome? <laughs> that means Becky's the evil twin. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Did the evil twins say that? <laughs> no. Well, Laura did, so. Christine's oh. known us since we were seven, so. Christina, which one is evil? Um, what you said is I love it. <laughs> right. So, uh, my parable goes like this. The Enterprise, while on their way to their next mission, finds a few spare hours and themselves in the correct part of space to pay a visit to the system where data was discovered. No quest for understanding one's own humanity can be fully realized without asking the question, where do I come from? But the answers Data and his crewmates find on the once thriving, now destroyed colony world lead to more questions when they discover another android like Data on the planet. They choose to reassemble Data's brother, Lore, and ultimately find themselves face to face with the force that caused the planet's destruction in him. Lore incapacitates Data and takes his place in an attempt to take over the Enterprise and kill its entire complement, something only Wesley recognizes at first. In the end, Data and the crew learn that trust matters more than biology or construction when it comes to assembling a family. Oh, that's lovely. That is. That's very nice. Yeah, I love that. Can we put that on a t-shirt? I like that. The whole thing? No, just the trust part. <laughs> really small. What do y'all think about that? What is family to you? That's so loaded. As as soon as we started watching, I was like, oh, it's an adoption story. It's that idea of not knowing where you come from. And as an adoptive mom, it's something that 
you have to struggle with yourself in order to be able to talk to your children about it and then to be there and to be available for them so that when they want to talk about their birth families and their origin story that you're available. So I loved it. I loved data wrestling with that and having that opportunity for the entire crew to wrestle with this member of their family, as you put it, Kent, um, to get to experience that for the first time and kind of have a little bit more information about who he was and where he came from. Carissa, what is the struggle that you have to go through as as a parent? The struggle as a parent is the knowing that uh, the reason why you're a family is loss. Gotcha. Yep. And that really the what's best for that child, you know, for my sons is to be with their birth family is that's mm. what's best, but that couldn't happen. Mm. And so the struggle is then um, exposing them at the appropriate age and when they're ready to know more of their story and then how to help guide them through those tricky emotions that adoptees go through of I'm not rejecting my adoptive family. And I'm grateful, but I still have a deep sense of loss and a deep sense of not knowing who I am because I am not this family. I am this other family. And then wanting to know that family. And each adoptee is different, the depths with which they want to answer those questions. Um, But a lot of adoptive parents kind of put their heads down and ignore it. Like my love is big enough to conquer the hurt. And so it takes a lot to continually, it's kind of like opening a wound because you know that even though I love these children that are in my family as if I birthed them myself. Um, For me, my four kids, whether they're biological or adopted, are the same, my heart's capacity for them. But I know that for them, my two that are adopted, there are questions and there are, there is a wound, that primal wound of not being with their birth family. So it's, it's kind of hard to, it's hard to hold that. And I think a lot of adoptive families, if they're willing to engage with that, it's really a beautiful thing to be able to be there at that point of wanting to know themselves fully, but it is hard. Mm -hmm. uh, And how interesting too, you have two individuals. So they, and like you said, every person is different. So they might respond to it differently. And then they also might respond differently because they have each other as well. So there's a lot of dynamics. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, wow. That's really interesting. Thanks for telling us all that. It's really cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Cool. No, absolutely. Um, I, I think that what's more important is to listen to adoptee voices. And I'm glad that we finally have communities of people. Um, Angie Tucker is a great resource for uh, adoptee voices and has an organization that people, especially transracially adopted children, like my kids are, mm-hmm. we're a white family, they're black, um, that they can have a voice in a place. So it's, it's awesome to hear, not from the savior parents, mm-hmm. quote unquote, of adoptive families, but instead from adoptees themselves about what's most helpful for them in their journey of finding who they are and reconnecting with um, their origins. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. That's a good point too. Do you find that it changed the way that you parented your two biological kids? Uh, oh, absolutely. Um, I think because um, when you birth them, then you feel like they're absolutely mine. And Uh, adopting made me see them more as all of my kids are not on loan to me, but I'm a steward of them. Mm -hmm. They're with me for a time and it's my job to do what's right by them according to their own giftings and abilities and to set them up for success in the world instead of these are my kids, which I very much felt like with my two biological children. So it changed the way I see them too. I don't see them as like mine. I'm like, 
I just have them for a very short period of time in the scheme of their life. And hopefully they'll want to come back and reconnect with us as parents if we do a good job um, for the rest (laughs) of their lives. So yeah, it definitely changed the way that I, I viewed my biological children. So to relate that back to this episode, do you think that data Mm -hmm. has gone through a journey in this episode that wants to know more about himself and this colony that he came from by the end? even though he's had this negative experience with lore. He doesn't give any, I mean, from what I perceive, he doesn't give any indicator that he needs to know anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, but he did at that one, in that one scene with his brother, I think the first time that they were kind of by themselves, ask the computer for any information that he could find about their creator. So that to me indicates that there is some interest, but I remember at the very end of the the thing where his brother has been you know transported out into space someone asks him how he is and in true data form he says i'm fine and i believe him you know i mean he's had this loss and yet he's still well i i know that i felt like the whole incident just gave me more questions than answers Mm. um and i would imagine I mean, I felt that way sort of on behalf of data because right. he did find some nuggets of information. And I just feel like there were a lot of gaps in there and especially, you know, about their creator and um, about mm-hmm. probably about himself when he mm-hmm. saw he was able. It's like seeing your foil, right? Seeing a reflection of what you could be of that inevitably is going to make you think about who you are yep. some more. And I, so I just, I would imagine that it did open up some things. And of course, I also believed him when he said, I'm fine mm-hmm. um, because he is fine, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have extra questions. Sure. Now. Yeah. yeah. And he's all about finding more, getting more information about knowing more about seemingly everything. So mm-hmm. it's almost hard to believe that he wouldn't be interested in knowing more about his origin just to know, just to have that information. Well, I think I was just thinking about when we first see him, when Wesley goes to his chambers and he's trying to <laughs> make himself know how to sneeze. <laughs> and Wesley asks him that question, like, you're trying to learn how to sneeze. Aren't you like more interested in like seeing where you're from? And for me, what I got from that is, of course, he's data and he wants to know all the stuff, but like he kind of has a focus. He's very interested in being mm-hmm. human. And so... I don't know. It wasn't like it took precedence over the thing that already drives him. Yeah. Um, then, of course, it's fascinating to find that his brother, the flaw that his brother had was he was too human. And I just thought that was a fascinating mm. thing for Data to watch himself be too human um, mm-hmm. and see how that's un- it was unsafe. So mm. I don't know. That was just a fascinating piece. Yeah, no, that's a good point. But then again, Lore told him that the reason their creator put him aside and then created data was because the humans in the community were unnerved by him. And I mean, I don't remember if he used the term too human. My sense was that he was a little too perfect. Well, that's what Lore told us. Quite. Okay. That's what I I couldn't remember if he had said that. Didn't you get that feeling from him, though? Just that? Yeah. I can't trust anything he says kind of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of scheming and. Yeah. 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 I think he probably was 
a bad egg, and that's why he was disassembled. <laughs> I mean, he was literally planning on killing everyone on the ship as fast as he could. Yeah. So, like, it's his fault. All the pe- all the people were killed. The colony. Yeah. So it's almost like his dad or creator was like, "Shoot, let's undo this dude." Mm-hmm. It was a little late. It gets to the heart of why I brought trust up in the parable. I want to jump into our truth and justice section here with this trust question, because I think that there's mm-hmm. a fundamental sci-fi moment that's happening in this episode where we're talking about the construction of artificial life, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea that the artificial life is always going to go wrong and try to kill everybody. <laughs> and I started to think about that in this context because lore does it and data doesn't, mm-hmm. does not. But for me, the fundamental difference between these two characters is that lore was always a fascination and a a thing in front of everybody to solve problems, and lore was never welcomed into the community, whereas Data was never a part of that community. He was picked up off of it after it had been destroyed, and he was welcomed into this community of Starfleet and he earned his place Mm -hmm. as a lieutenant commander the second officer on the Starship Enterprise where he is a member of their family and so for me the difference here really is one of these people was trusted as a person Mm -hmm. and one of them was always a thing Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so what do you guys think about trust yeah, because even when Picard is talking about the other one and he keeps saying it and Data mm. goes to him and is like, by you saying it, it makes me feel like, you know what I mean? So yeah, that's an interesting perspective. And then that's like also the notion of rejection and maybe even resentment from Lore, especially mm-hmm. because he is so human. And I know that in a, like previous weeks, we've talked about vengeance and how vengeance stems from hurt. Right. And so I wonder if that was like a driving like force in his overall actions. Good point. Lore also said that he had ambition, which humans have and that data doesn't. So he talked about that ambition, that drive that Lore had. Hmm. Do you think that data does not have ambition? Not in the same self-seeking way that Lore talks about it, about himself. I feel like data has like more like curiosity and the, and the want for knowledge as opposed to a, like you were saying, Chris, a self-serving mission. Yeah. You know? Perhaps a desire to achieve, which is different than, than a desire to be greater in some way. So motivation behind ambition mm-hmm. is a big deal. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think that it has a lot to do, uh, you know, I always think of the nature versus nurture argument here because, um, Lore was created with emotion. He has all the same intellectual capacity, so the ability to, you know, compute and whatnot that Data has, um, but he was also given emotion. And what we don't know is how, was it just gifted to him? I mean, just like snap a finger and he has and understands human emotion. He just feels human emotions and has all the knowledge of hum- of, hum- of the humans that lived on that, because that would be a lot. It would be a lot. You yeah. just suddenly have. Well, I mean, we, we as humans spend a long time learning and acclimating to both the knowledge and our emotional being. Yes. You know, it's not an instantaneous thing. And so for lore, it was, so, you know, he's he's fully grown. He's He doesn't grow into himself. I mean, you saw him. So was he just turned on and he had 
full knowledge and full emotional capacity because that could have definitely been unnerving to himself and many huh. other people at the, at the at the moment it's almost understandable why you know because he would have experimented with what is this emotion what is avarice what is uh mm-hmm. i mean what does this mean what is right you know if i can be better than you and i can be proud about it then why shouldn't i be if i'm better than you at all <laughs> these things then why shouldn't i be in charge what's the problem with you people i mean yeah uh, those kind of emotional things that humans have mm-hmm. And um, whereas, children are encouraged to explore, whereas... But they're also given guidance. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, also point. When he was on the ship and he was learning how to run the ship at the beginning and he was like trying to be so pleasing, it was interesting because the emotions he was using immediately were to try to like win over the humans. You know, it's like it was so manipulative. It, it felt like really slick. Figured out how to work it. Yeah, it felt really slick. It did not come across as like genuine at all. Like it was yeah. clearly I'm doing this with a, with a purpose behind it. Which is why he didn't imitate data very well no, when right. it came time to do so. Right. I have a theory about kids. I think kids can read adults really well and they can always sniff out when an adult is like legit or if they're if they're like are who they say they are which is Um, why wesley is the one that wesley's the one that was like "Mm, there's something up with this guy yeah um so i thought that was cool exactly kent but i think that it's interesting that you pointed out that the trust that data earned was not because he was a trustworthy person it was because he had accolades to his name he had served his time. It was mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's how his trust was built, was not through his personality. Right, right. his experience, Mark. Mm-hmm. Even though it. everyone seems to enjoy his personality. Of course, right? yeah. Absolutely. It's a, it's a bonus. It's not Because it's a, charming. Yeah, that's right. So Good naive point. and sweet. Yeah, because I feel like people can get too caught up in personalities and then you become blinded to, well, I just, this person is such a, they're such a cool person. They're so sweet. How could they ever do something like yeah. And that's why, like, when Lore was, you know, being a kiss butt, you know, <laughs> like, that's probably why it, like, read so gross. Right. Was because it was like, I have this charming personality. I'm trying to charm you. Mm-hmm. So trust me because I'm charming. And most people who are charming, you shouldn't trust them. Yes. So this is yeah. <laughs> noted. Did anybody else make the, the Lore and Data as names really stuck out to me this time because, um, you know, data, we know what data means. I mean, we live in a world of data. It's information. It is strictly straight information and knowledge where lore, which I actually looked up and it is knowledge with tradition and it's, it's, you know, Mm. knowledge gained through study and experience combined with tradition and emotion. It is all of those things combined together. And, Mm. um, and it, mm-hmm. you know, it just occurred to me this time that the names actually represent who these two individuals who look exactly the same are. It's not, they weren't just random. Yeah. I just love how, I know that we aren't really supposed to talk about actors and stuff, but I just have to give him a shout out. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, I Laura and Dato, I forgot for a minute that it was like the <laughs> same person playing both. Because I felt like he really cre- created, Laura was so different. than data and i thought that was really really fun to watch yeah it amplified for me kind of how naive isn't necessarily the right word but that's the best that i can come to in terms of just even his facial expressions just being so open Mm -hmm. and 
and vulnerable, vulnerable, um, not, you know, contrived, not scheming, calculating that earlier. Yeah. Compared to this other data is just honest. It's like very, you get a real open and honest. It makes it easy to trust him. I feel like currently we are being ruled a lot by emotion. The lures of the world seem to be kind of trying to run things and that the datas are mm-hmm. actually being ignored mm-hmm. um, in many ways or not mm-hmm. or disbelieved. Yeah. Uh, and we find ourselves in a place where yeah. we really need the datas to step up because mm-hmm. we're fighting with things that require logic. Right. We need logic to solve our I'm, current issues. And we problems. need people we can trust. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know that I've been feeling like emotionally exhausted with everything that's going on. And I feel like it's because I think all of us have a data and a lore. And Mm -hmm. so it's Mm -hmm. like having those two in like a showdown is Mm -hmm. so exhausting. Mm -hmm. And you're right. (laughs) It's the listening to both that, you know, good for you for listening to both because they're both important. Oh, yeah. Really. Let me steer us towards a different part of the trust conversation, which is Wesley. Because again, we've watched Wesley save the ship a bunch of times now and they just don't listen. And he knows Data so well and they tell him to shut up. Exactly. Raise your hand if you were saying, why are you not listening to Wesley? Listen to the kid. It's like, when will they learn? Because this is episode, what, 12 now? Mm -hmm. No, it's true. Six of them, he saved the ship like over half Okay, I'm going to be the bad guy today. No, Mark, don't do it. Disagree, Mark. No, no, no. I agree that they should be listening to Wesley. I do agree with that. But I also think dude wesley figure out a better way to tell them yes no, find a right. better way than to just stand up on the bridge in the middle of business <laughs> yeah. and and just petulantly start shouting it's at true. the captain he's a teenager that's not gonna he's do doing exactly what picard told him to do last time the last time he knew information that no one else knew he held on to it and he tried to fix it himself You're and right. picard said do not do that Yep. Come talk to me immediately. Right. And so what did he do? Yeah. He stood up and he talked to him immediately. Did he t- did he ask if he could speak to him aside? Well, no. Did he do what everybody would teach somebody to do if they had something that they were concerned about? All I'm saying but is... Also, did anybody teach yes, him? Because right. also, him. if Very they didn't... No, and that's on Riker. <laughs> Riker took <laughs> responsibility. Riker. He owned it. Right, Riker, Riker said it's my fault, and then he does this like snap point thing and gets him out. Yeah, Taylor right? goes. He did like that mommy point. <laughs> he did do the mommy. He's like, get over there. He did do the mommy point. I think it's because Riker believed him. He and he, was he like, believed Wesley. I- I'm going yep. with the kid this time. Yep. Like I actually do think that happened. He took responsibility that he didn't train him correctly. He said it's my fault. I didn't You're do right. it because he's awesome. He did exactly the same thing that Tasha did. That's good. Tasha stood up in the middle of everybody yeah. and she said, "Sir, can we trust Data?" And everybody looked around at Tasha like she was crazy. And then Picard said, "No." And he, and he backed her up. Question. Wesley called them on it though. Wesley said, "In all due respect." Had I said that and I were older, you would have listened yeah. because I think he saw Tasha do it. Yeah. And what happened after he said that? I'm pretty sure somebody said, shut up, Wesley. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, here's my question about that. Okay, go. I have this little inside belief that Picard knew that Wesley was not going to go to his quarters. 
that he was going to go meddle because that's what Wesley does, and that he sent his mom with him to keep him safe from lore. Oh. I like that. He whispered that to her, didn't he? He was like, I want you to keep him safe. Yeah. I think she, yeah. he whispered well, something. yeah, because she was like, you're putting me off the bridge. I love that, Sass. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, she was not feeling that. She was like, we were just, you know where we were last week. <laughs> I'm not going in that room with you again. Anyway, sorry. But do you agree or disagree with me that uh, there was a long game in that, that Picard knew? I think there could have been. I like that reading of it. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, I hadn't thought much of it. I'm with Steen and I hadn't either. But I like that reading of it. Agreed. Yeah. I think it's certainly possible. Yeah. And I did appreciate, though, I mean, to go back to Tasha, I loved Picard acknowledging that that was an appropriate question that people may be looking around and like, how could you say that? And yet he, you know, stands up and says, yeah, she needed to do that was that was resp the responsible thing to do. Good skill to have to be able to help bridge people in those yes. moments. Yeah, yeah. I want to ask one more question, truth and justice related, um, because it's something that we're dealing with a lot in our world. And for me, this episode screams with well, pronouns. Uh, there's there's a trans through line here with data, and oh, it's that scene yeah. in the ready room mm -hmm. that we talked about for a second a minute ago, where um, Picard apologizes to Data for calling Lore it. There's also this line that Picard has where he says, "If it feels awkward to be reminded Data is a machine, just remember we are merely a different variety of machine." So. What do you all think? Actually, I watched this with Taylor, the 11-year-old, and he said, right after Picard said that, Taylor said, that's what I would take my blessing from, is, is that statement. Yep. Um, just the idea that we're all the same. We need to look around at the people who are different than us and remember that we're all basically the same. We're just made of different stuff. And some of us yeah. have different percentages of melanin some of us have different eye colors some of us have different hair colors some of us have different identities different experiences but we're all the same yeah exactly another interesting dynamic to me about that whole um, interaction between Picard and Riker and Jordy and Data is that like I mentioned before in another um, episode that there are some elements of like a racial divide to me like Data like because he is an android so it's not like you know black and white but he is a different race of being mm -hmm. and so it reminded me of when people you know like black people who have a white friend that they're cool with or white people that have a black friend that they're cool with you know what i mean and they're like oh you're different mm -hmm. how like mm -hmm. toxic that is and i feel like more people need to speak up and call mm -hmm. their friends out on stuff like that you know and be like hey like that that makes me feel like I don't want to be your token friend. Yeah, absolutely. Whether you're your token white friend, black friend, Asian friend, Hispanic friend, doesn't matter. Or Android. Or or Android. Or whether you're, you know, your your people's token transgendered friend or gay friend or bisexual friend. Like don't like call them out. Right. Like speak up because they're doing damage and they don't know that they're doing damage. That's the thing, is that it's it's right, ignorance, but it's not willful ignorance. It's just ignorance because they they're not thinking about it. So right. that's your opportunity to kind of like 
educate them a little bit. Absolutely. It's the idea that there's a, there's a lot more we have in common than, than there's different. Yeah. You know? And I like that Picard just sort of looked around at people doing that. And it was like, okay, hey, let's talk about this right now. Because they're all being a little awkward. Let's talk about it. Yeah. yeah, bring it up. And did you notice, if if I'm remembering correctly, the reaction that he got from yeah. the other oh, yeah. they, they were, were like, okay. Relieved. Well, and even the response that Data gives in that scene where he refers to Lore as an it, and Data says, you know, that's not correct, and you're kind of hurting my feelings. He apologizes for it real quick, and then Data's like, "Yeah, that's okay." Right. He didn't make excuses. He didn't do the whole thing. He just owned it and apologized. Yeah. That's the right thing but, to do. But Data also didn't hold a grudge. He was just right. Like, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, good point. That has to be on both sides. Like you have to. Yes. If somebody apologizes, you have to extend them that forgiveness. Or if you're not willing to or ready to at that time then be honest about that and be like you know what i'm still actually kind of yeah. bitter about that so i don't forgive you yet but you have to be honest because yeah they'll appreciate it but still salty you know <laughs> <laughs> so my first wormhole question here is should we be striving to create life hmm. like oh babies like, <laughs> like, like uh, I'm open. You want me to have more kids, oh. Ken? Come on. <laughs> At least practicing. I think we should be striving. <laughs> the practice. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. so sorry, Ken. Get us, get us, get us back. Come on. Question question so it, like fictionally at least we are very bad at treating the life that we create like it's real you know and and as you see later in i mean spoiler alert there's some stuff that happens later on with some uh ais that doesn't go very well yeah and so like and and lore himself tries to kill everybody hmm. so like is this something we should be doing so just for the record, we're talking about- We're not talking about like reproduce. We're talking about making artificial life. About artificial intelligence. Okay. Artificial intelligence. Well, so, I mean, yeah, you point to Lore and say, oh, well, he tried to kill everybody, but his counterpart data is a really valued part of that community. Yeah. I feel like we already kind of have started to with like Siri and Alexa and Echo and yeah. all of that jazz it's weird it is weird i think from a human dignity standpoint i am against the continuation of artificial intelligence because it takes jobs from people it destroys um communities it separates us from one another and makes community harder i have a really i, I think social media is beautiful and that's part of the ai we're talking about the adaptation of computers being able to read us but I think that it takes away a lot of things from us and I don't like it so I like the medical advances that it makes and saving people's lives but I think that you can't replace human beings so is so in a utilitarian way you can appreciate it but not as a human replacement this is one of those subjects that we can't have the things that AI would give us and pick and choose what those things might be. If we're going to develop a smarter computer, something that will you know, learn and be able to think maybe even better than we do so that it can create and invent things perhaps that we 
haven't even thought of or that we just don't have the mathematical or you know calculating capability to do yet then we're going to get amazing things but we also may run into some problems issues. with that right i think the key is there is a place in between taking a look at what the problems could be like what carissa brought up mm -hmm. and being aware as a community of what we need to do to counteract those things. Right. So the extra awareness like you did today, Carissa, and unplugged and went on a hike and you're gonna do it again in the morning. Right. But you know, it's the kind of collective understanding of how to respond to it, to maintain our humanity. Yes, absolutely. This all comes down to some point, the amount of control we choose to give any artificial intelligence, you know, I mean, if we decide we're going to let them run everything, then of course that opens the door to them kind of running crazy possibilities, <laughs> them running everything. And, you know, but if we have them do specific tasks that are either difficult or challenging or frankly too dangerous and a human being shouldn't be doing them in the first place, then that may not be a bad thing. Absolutely. For me, the difference is that the AI will grow to a point that it's like lore if it's not cared for, if it's not treated like it's family, if it's not loved. And so if we are frankly hubristic enough to create life the same way that we would progenate, then we should have the responsibility to love and care for those people the same way that we would babies that come out of a womb. Yeah. You know, and maybe Dr. Soon, instead of just shutting him off, should have tried to hmm. help him. Mm -hmm. There's a certain part of my imagination that goes to what Lore went through on that colony and thinks he was poked and prodded by all the colonists. He was probably mm -hmm. put in some experiments and some cages and like things happened that made him angry and then he realized he was more powerful than everyone there and he could start affecting his will on them and i think that that was unnecessary and wrong and you know there's for me there's there's a point to automation and it's not just that you know henry ford wanted to save money in his factory it is to remove human labor from the equation so that humans have the ability to go pursue other things like exploration and art and you know ex consuming art and all of that stuff so that we're not bogged mm -hmm. down by working all day in a factory and never get to do any of that and so there is a certain amount of the, the future to me that is about robots but what is the line between a robot and an ai well isn't it self-awareness ai doesn't necessarily have to have self-awareness he didn't say inhuman the thing that makes human human is self-awareness right well or the thing that makes an ai sentient is you know, is the, is self-awareness, is the, the, the knowledge that you exist in the universe as a separate from the people that created you or in some fashion. Well, let me um, ask it this way, because we're, we're finding through a bunch of studies lately that trees are aware of each other and communicate with each other yes. through their water and root systems. So are trees sentient? Yes. I think it's, Highly possible. I mean, trees are living beings. Right. So I guess are we asking, is AI living? <laughs> is that the difference? 
this is going to be something that we continue to talk about with Mr. Data because this is who Data is, right? And this question continues to come back for us. But since we are having this conversation about robots and stuff, that it's a it's a live question in our world right now. We have robots that do gymnastics and robots that act. You know, they cast several robots. No, shut it down. <laughs> Are those robots alive? No, because they are being programmed to, to do what they're doing by a human. They're not making up their programming themselves, which is what essentially, you know, an artificial intelligence has got to be able to exercise free will. If it's going to be sentient in some fashion, it's got to be able to write its own code like we do. Yeah, I think there goes back to an ethical issue, though, Ken, when yeah. we see robots acting or doing things like that what is the intention with which people are trying to create ai to be human is it just so we could do it <laughs> that we could prove that we were so fantastic that we are so smart and capable or is there a deeper purpose so i think it goes back to what's our intention mm -hmm. in creating that and wanting that mm -hmm. is it to be like god in creation good point but if data is able to carry the memories of 411 colonists or whatever it is, isn't he just as responsible for the continuation of the human species as, for instance, if Soong had a biological son hmm. who could have taken that knowledge with him off that planet and escaped? But isn't he comparable then to a library holding information? Hmm. Yeah, aren't we all? I just, I think that Soong, he's a scientist. I think he's trying to do it to say he can do it. I think he got, remember, he got kicked off of, he got kicked out of Starfleet or Earth or whatever it was he was doing research for trying to create a positronic brain yes. specifically. That's why right. they got rid of him. You know, trying to do something they didn't want him to do. He went somewhere far away where nobody could find him hmm. and did it anyway. Did it anyway and then found out that there was something wrong. Yeah. And if that was actually his child, he would have put effort into the floor to try to help him become a better person or android or whatever. Right. But instead, he was a thing to him, and he so he shut him down. Oop, I'm, I made a mistake. I got to start over. And he shut him down and created Data, right? Mm -hmm. So he must not have The been... best thing that ever happened to Data was that he didn't exist for very long before the colony was destroyed. Yeah. You know, he was just left there, and he was found by Starfleet, and he ended up, right. he, he achieved the rank of a Starfleet officer. And, and in that process of growth, he became Data. Mm -hmm. The nurture of having mm -hmm. that experience made him who he is. I wonder what Data was like right when he, in that spot. With the dust on top yes. of him. Covered in dust. Was he the same guy that he is <laughs> that we know? When did he become fascinated by what his own human question is? Yeah, interesting. So I have one more question. And uh, then we'll do some blessings. But my question is the question that Picard asks at the end of this episode. And it is, number one, have you ever considered Mr. Data is more human or less human than we want? And Riker doesn't really answer. He doesn't give a direct answer. So what is your answer? I don't think what I want matters. You know, I mean, Good point. Sure. I yeah. think that he's very human, but he I think is. that he is also capable of you know, extreme feats of logic, which, again, 
I wish we could have a little bit more of sometimes. <laughs> I think if he was more human in the way Lore was more human, then it would keep him from being as cool as he is, right? Because he would have things like ambition, like what we talked about, the bad kind of ambition, and he wouldn't be as pure as he is. Right. So I think he's just right. That's what I thought Riker's answer was, that he's balanced. Yes. I actually thought that was a cool, I mean, for me, I was like, oh, wow, would I want him more or less? And he was like, I think he's got a good balance. And the captain agreed. He said, agreed. Scene. <laughs> and scene. I actually was disappointed in the end because everybody seemed to be, okay, well, that's over. We're jolly and, and cheerful now. And I thought, wow, there's some stuff here that just happened around you guys that you all need to sit down yeah. and really and process. consider right. and think about. There's some really ethical ethically weird things that just happen to you guys and y'all need like a post-mortem about it yeah exactly in the situation in the observation what is that room observation room. yeah i know i mean wesley killed a man or robot did he yeah i mean theoretically where else what happened to him he got sucked into space doesn't he lord die he said he was gone forever wesley (laughs) did say that but he is an android so he just floats in space forever you know, that crystalline ent- entity also gets no attention. It's true. This thing that that sucked the life out of an entire planet's worth of whatever. Do you remember when they were going, when they were on the planet and all oh, the yes. life was gone? That's right. Yeah, there was not, not even and, bacteria. And, um, and then it shows up and it's trying to bust through their shields and stuff. And then it just, you know, zips off into space and it's like, well, we'll have to deal with that some other day. <laughs> Riker did have one line to explain it. He said, yes. oh, with Lore not here, it couldn't communicate yes. or couldn't get at us or something yeah. like that. Right. This thing that can destroy all life on a planet <laughs> yeah. didn't want to mess with us. <laughs> so funny. You ready for some blessings? Woo! Sure. So a word that we've come up with in our life for people that are family that are not blood is the word family, which is like friends that are family. And um, so I don't know if on the ship we would be cramly, like crew, that's family. But anyway, um, (laughs) but I just think that's what they, (laughs) I think that's what they have. I think it's beautiful. I love and it. so I just want to bless them for having that. Like they were all excited with, they all went Scramly. on that journey with, <laughs> they all went on that journey with Data and they loved, they, you know, they were like with him. Like even the captain was like, I want to go with you, but I can't because it's not safe. Anyway, so just, I guess my blessing is that like, may we all have our family. <laughs> 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 and like I like oh, to have it. each other. Okay, thank you. <laughs> That's funny and beautiful, Cramley. which I love. We need shirts, guys. You're my chosen Cramley. family. <laughs> <laughs> the sacred trek crambly. <laughs> thank you for that beautiful word. It was no beautiful. problem. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Who's next, Cramley? I want to go next. Yeah. Go next. I am stealing my blessing from my 11-year-old son. Do it. I mean, he's Do not it. here, so it's not really stealing. Um, but that moment when Picard points out that um, 
that we're all the same. We just are made up of slightly different things. And we just, I just hope for the world that we could all have a little bit more of that understanding. That's all. I love that. So good. <laughs> Our world would be a different place if we did that. He's so good. True. We are family. Sorry. <laughs> 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 yes. Nice. Oh. Who's going next? Okay, my blessing is taken from the moment when Lore talks about kindness and he uses the kindness to manipulate and try to turn things in his favor. So my blessing is may we all use the kindness Lore described as it was intended to make the world a better place instead of for our own selfish ambitions. Because well y'all know we got some selfish ambitions. Mm -hmm. Oh, I do anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Who's next? Oh, I'll go. Um, okay, so... <laughs> Stay with me. Oh, so, uh, when you have to preface it, <laughs> it, be a it took my blessing from Dr. Nunyang Sung. Um, oh, God. Okay. In my head, I had a whole other episode where Sung creates lore and lore does crazy things. And then he has to turn him off and take him apart and put him in storage because he tried to create him fully realized with emotion and intelligence and the ability to do everything and discovered that that didn't work, that having all of that stuff at once didn't work right. And so then he created data and his intention was for data to learn these things the way that data ends up learning them through time and experience. And so my blessing is May we all realize the importance of time, patience, and experience when learning to deal with human emotion, other people's, and our own. Oh, that hits too close, Mark. I don't want to do that. <laughs> That's too much work. <laughs> but it's beautiful. That's a good. That's good. I just don't want to do it. You don't have to take it in. He's just putting it out. He's putting, okay. Putting it out. You guys accept that. I will. I accept, accept it, it later on. I'm okay. putting it out there for my cramley. <laughs> I can feel it. I felt it right here in my heart. No, that is good. Okay, so I kind of I kind of have one. I'm a, it's from both Data and Wesley because these are two characters that both speak out um Wesley when he's trying to basically tell everybody, "Hey, this is wrong." And then um Data when he corrects Picard about the pronouns and tells people tells him, you know, like this makes me feel some type of way. So um, my blessing from them is for people to always use their voice in situations like that. Mm. Go with your gut, go with, um, you know, go with your intuition because it's, it's gonna be helpful um, in the long run. And also dealing with the Wesley situation in particular for the people that they are talking to, take the time out to instruct them if they're doing it wrong, quote unquote, take the time out to instruct them. Don't just harshly cut them down. Like don't tell them to do something. And then when they do it, just never mind. you know, but you know what I mean? Help like them that, do it right. that broke my heart. That broke my heart. So yeah. Yeah. yeah honestly, yeah. it's funny, but nobody should ever use shut up as a way to stop somebody from talking. I mean, about something, right. About something that's sort of important, you know, <laughs> right. that, they, that they feel is important to that's, anybody. Right. 
And especially to a kid. Good blessing. It's Becky's turn. You know, mine's similar to Nisa's uh, in that it has to do with people using their voice. And I really appreciated that Tasha spoke up and said, you know, at, at the risk of alienating the other people on the bridge, um, said, mm, do we need to worry about this? And, um, you know, she got some looks. I mean, people really seemed to to question like why would you even ask that and i guess also my blessing is for picard because he respected that and he pointed out to them that no that's that's a responsible question you know even though it um it wasn't necessarily a comfortable question it obviously made people uncomfortable kind of looking around at each other like she really just asked that um yeah i just i would really hope that we would use our voice even when it takes a little bit of courage right. um, and for the people around us who take that risk and ask those important questions um, that we would recognize and appreciate where they're coming from. That's good. So my blessing is for Dr. Crusher. Yay. Um, yes. Specifically in this episode, I mean, she's always awesome, but for raising a smart, brave, and outspoken son. She, she did good parenting, and I hope that everybody with kids can do good parenting and be Beverly Crusher, because she's pretty awesome. I agree. I take yeah. that one, Kent. I also loved who she was for Data. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was... Talk about that, that moment when he shared with her mm -hmm. his, his really vulnerable secret. Like, if you had an off keeper. switch, mm -hmm. you'd keep it secret, she, too, right? She holds it well. Mm -hmm. so, that was yeah. That was awesome. Yay, Dr. Crusher. All right, then. That is our show for today. Thank you, Federation Council, Nicole, Carissa, Mark, Becky, Nisa, and Christina. And thank you, everybody out there, for listening. We couldn't do it without you. So please do rate and review, subscribe, like, and share Sacred Trek. It really does help us to grow and be successful. We are on Facebook and Instagram at Sacred Trek Podcast. If you like what we do and want to help keeping us make the show, head over to patreon.com slash lastmidnightproductions and help sustain the show. You can also send us an email or a voice message. We would love to get those from you. Uh, you can send those to sacredtrek at lastmidnightproductions.com or sign up for our newsletter at lastmidnightproductions.com slash sacredtrek. Thank you again for joining us today. Uh, we will be back next time for episode 13 angel one until then stay safe stay healthy wear a mask and go with love for sacred trek and last midnight productions i'm kent altman live long and prosper last midnight productions